Certain men came down from Judea, that is to Jerusalem, and taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knoweth the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we Jews shall be saved even as these Gentiles. Then all the multitude gave silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they'd held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the rest of men might seek after the Lord. And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things known unto God, are all his works from the beginning of the world. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Having returned from their first gospel outreach, Paul and Barnabas are now sent from the church in Antioch to Jerusalem concerning a controversy that was brewing over the truth of the gospel. Now the question was, do Gentiles need to become Jews and be circumcised in order to be saved by faith in Christ? Do the Christian Gentiles need to obey the law of Moses? Dr. Mitchell will go into depth on this issue, but he asks, why should we be occupied with Moses when we have Christ? Salvation from sin has always been and still is by grace through faith in what God has revealed. And in this age and dispensation of grace, God's revelation to us is the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Here's Dr. Mitchell, Acts chapter 15 on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Good day, friends. Again, it is our joy and delight to come to you and we are studying together the book of Acts. And today we start in chapter 15. We have just finished Paul's first missionary journey in chapters 13 and 14. 
And I'm not going to go back over those chapters, wonderful though it may be, to review some of the wonderful truths contained. But we come now to a great issue. And this is the, the council at Jerusalem. Here we have something that is uh, in between the first and second missionary journey of Paul. And a great issue has come up. And this issue is one which carries us right down to the present time. Now I'm going to read, first of all, these first few verses. Now, Paul had been out to the pagan world. Remember this? He's been out to the Gentiles who were idolaters. They were in moral corruption, etc. And he gave the precious, wonderful gospel of the grace of God. And God bore testimony to that and vindicated that message. And the result, a great many, many people were saved. So he started churches in these different places, organized them, that is, he had elders to rule over them, to lead them and to guide them in the way they should go. Then he and Barnabas came back to Jerusalem. And now an issue has been brought up. Let me read the first few verses. And certain men came down from Judea, that is, to Jerusalem, and taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying, It was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Now let me just, let me read first of all a passage from the book of, of Galatians chapter 2 where Paul speaks of the fact that he, that he went up to Jerusalem privately, unless he had run in vain. Neither Titus, who was with me being a Gentile, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us to bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, be no difference to me, they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the Gentiles was committed to me as the gospel of the Jews was committed unto Peter. That is, the gospel uh, Paul was commissioned to preach to the Gentile, the uncircumcised world. But as Paul had a, Peter had a responsibility to this circumcision, that would be to the Jews. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the Jews, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. I, I mention that for the simple reason these were people who had come in to spy out their liberty which they had in Christ to rob them of their freedom in the Savior. Now, this thing has gone on down through the centuries, by the way. You see, the entrance into Judaism 
was to circumcision, and they would they wanted it to it to be obligatory to salvation. So all right for you to believe in Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior, but uh, but you must you remember be circumcised. You must become under the law of Moses. Now I think in the ones Paul spoke of in in Galatians two, and I think the beginning of the chapter were. I don't mean they were Christians. They were false brethren. This is what Paul calls them, false brethren. They're brought in unawares. Whereas when you come to verse 5, and is brought up before the council of Jerusalem, the sect of the Pharisees who believed that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. It's very, very hard for the human heart not to, to want to do something to merit salvation or to keep your salvation. Okay, some people say, I'm saved by grace through faith, but, but, but what? I've got to behave myself and I'm going to keep it. Is Christ not sufficient? Do we have to put people under the law of Moses to keep saved, to be a Christian? Is Christ not enough for the one who trusts him? Is he an all-sufficient Savior? We sing it sometimes, my all-sufficient Savior. Now I'm asking you the question. Shall these, uh, shall these pagan Gentiles who accept the Savior be brought under Moses, under the law of Moses, from which the Christian Jews have been delivered? This is the argument in the book of Galatians chapter 2. Shall I put these under the thing from which I have been delivered? When Paul was saved, he was not only saved from sin, he was not only saved from this present evil age, but he was saved from his religion, which was Judaism. Now shall I bring these Gentiles who have accepted the Savior and bring them under that from which the gospel delivered me? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The law has had nothing to say since the cross. And you and I are on the resurrection side of the cross. We've been joined to him. We have a new life, a new life, a supernatural life, brought out by the Spirit of God in the believer. Now, they got the discussion started, verse 7. When they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to their men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knoweth the heart bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now he's referring back to chapter 10 of Acts. When God revealed to Peter that there was no respective persons with him. And nationality meant nothing to God. Doesn't matter what your color, your tongue, your tribe, where you live, what you are, the Lord has the same salvation for each one. So what Paul said, Peter here says, and he put no difference between us Jews and these Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. In other words, he's saying that Jew and Gentile are on the same plane. This is what you have, by the way, in the book of Ephesians, 
chapter 3. And Peter, having been sent by God to the Gentiles, having concerned, confirmed that message, there's no difference. All must be saved the same way. Listen to the next two verses. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, can I add some words in here to get the sense, we Jews shall be saved even as these Gentiles. What Peter really is saying, instead of the Gentiles coming the way the Jews come, the Jews should come Gentile way by simple faith in God. Now in simple faith in the Savior, to be more exact. What he's really saying here is that the salvation which either Jew and Gentile have is without ceremonies, it's without works of any kind. And to put these Gentile Christians under the law of Moses was to tempt God. I'm not surprised that Paul talks so strongly in the first chapter of Galatians, if we are an angel from heaven bring unto you any other message on the grace of God, let him be accursed. Now you notice that these Jews troubled the people of God, and they were subverting the gospel, and they were tempting God. I say it's very, it would be very easy for one to go back to chapter 10, where God dealt with Peter or go into the, to the book of Galatians in chapters 1 and 2. I don't want to do that, except to bring up today this fact. The Jews are going to be saved the same way as the Gentiles by simple faith, without ceremonies, without circumcision, without the law, without works of any kind. That's what Peter says. Now let's see what James has to say in verses 13 to 21. Then all the multitude gave silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. In other words, not only did God bear witness to Peter's message to the Gentiles, but God also bore testimony uh, to the witness of Paul and Barnabas. He bore witness, God bore witness to their message of the grace of God that it was his message. And now James steps on the scene. Now this is James, the brother of our Lord, not James, the brother of John. When you come to chapter 12, you remember James was beheaded. James is called James the Just. He became the leader, really, of the church at Jerusalem. And after they'd held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this, after what? After we have gathered out a people for his name, I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the rest of men might seek after the Lord." And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things known unto God, are all his works from the beginning of the world. 
Here is a remarkable, brief digest of prophecy. I wish one had the time to spend time in this thing, to go into it. It's one of the, it's one of the greatest prophetical passages we have in the New Testament. And he quotes from the book of Amos, chapter 9, verses 11 to 12. Now remember, James here is standing on the Word of God, and he's proving from the Scriptures that the Gentiles would be saved before the Lord's return. This is God's plan. Or should I put this, but this is part of God's plan. This is what he's doing now at the present time. What is God doing at the present time? He is gathering out a people for his name out of Jews and Gentiles. Or let me put it this way. God today is not dealing with nations. I want to make that as a very flat-footed statement. God is not today dealing primarily with nations. He is dealing with individuals out of the nations. I don't care what their color or tribe may be. God is gathering out individuals today. He is saving them by His grace and knitting them together into a company called the church. Or as we read it here, God is visiting the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. And after He is through with this, He's going to build again the tabernacle of David. He's going to return and build the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. This is God's plan. You remember in John chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. By the way, allow me to say this. In John's gospel, the Jew is looked upon as being rejected in the very first chapter. In Matthew, you don't find that until you get to chapter 12. And about chapter 9 of the book of Luke. Now here in John's gospel, you remember in verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. The Gentiles denied their Creator. The Jews rejected their Messiah. Now, what will God do? The Gentiles have spurned their Creator. The Jews have rejected their Messiah. What will God do? He will bring into being a new race of people when he calls the church. I read in verses 12 and 13 of John 1, But to as many as received him, to them he gives the right, the authority, to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who are born of God. God is gathering out a people for him, Jew and Gentile. In the book of Ephesians, you remember chapter 3, verses 5 and then, and then verse 9 on, where this, this, this gathering out of people for his name called the church was a mystery hidden in God from past generations, but now made, made manifest. And when God is through uh, building his church, he's going to return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. He's going to build up the ruins. He's going to uh, make it possible that the rest of men might, might call upon the name of the Lord. As Hebrews chapter 8 says in the New Covenant, the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So it, 
it's not a, it's not a new thing in the Old Testament that God's going to bless the Gentiles. But James puts it together here. This is God's plan. He's gathering out a people for his name. Not Israel, not the nations, but individuals. Like you have it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, in this risen Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away, all things become new. When you come to Galatians six fifteen, being a Jew or a Gentile, prophet, nothing, but a new creation. Now, when the Lord returns and deals with the nations, then again you will have Israel under the blessing of God and the nations of the earth. And the nations will recognize Israel as the priests of God, the ministers of God. You find this in Isaiah chapter 60. So you see, today he's dealing with individuals. And it's an amazing thing. In fact, I would like to make this statement that the Lord will not return until Israel calls for him. Did you hear what I said? The Lord is not going to return until Israel calls for him. God today is dealing with individuals. And he's going to come and take the church to be unto himself. Then starts the day of the Lord, if I may be allowed to do this for a moment, to pick up this connection. God today is gathering out a people for his name. When he's through this, he's going to come and take the church unto himself. Where he is, that's where we're going to be. As Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, the mystery hidden in God. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last come. He is the catching away of the church to himself. To be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, to be forever with the Lord. Then starts the day of the Lord, and it starts in judgment. Time would for me to go to Joel chapter 2 and uh, uh, Daniel chapter 12. Other portions of Scripture which deal with the day of the Lord starts with a day of gloom and darkness and judgment. It's a, day of, it's a day of wrath. What we generally call the Great Tribulation is a time of the judgments of God upon the earth. And then Israel will call for him. Hosea chapter 5. Put down these scriptures. Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. That's the last verse of Hosea 5. It runs into chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let me quote it loosely, where God says through the prophet, I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will cry. What will they cry? Two days he hath torn, two days he hath afflicted us, and the third day we shall stand in his sight. Two days we've been afflicted, and the third day we shall stand in his sight. Amazing thing, isn't it? Now let me go to Matthew chapter 23, the last two or three verses, where Jesus said, I leave your house unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you will not see me again until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And when you come to Zechariah chapters 12 and 13, they shall see him whom they pierced. And they shall say, Where did you receive these wounds? 
and he shall say, I have received them in the house of my friends. They've got national repentance of Israel. And then in chapter 13, one starts of Zechariah, there'll be a fountain open for cleansing for Judah and Jerusalem. Well, I'm trying to get to your heart briefly. God today is doing a new thing. He is gathering out a people for his name. And after this, he's going to what? He's going to restore Israel. And they will be saved by the personal appearance of the Son of God. But today, God is dealing with Jew and Gentile, asking them to be to have simple faith in the Savior, that you can be saved the moment you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it a wonderful thing? That while I'm talking to you as an individual, you can become a child of the living God by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son. I'll leave that with you today. You're still gathering out of people for his name. I trust that you will be one of those whom the Lord will gather in by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord bless you today for his name's sake. to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.